walking out of here healed, delivered, transformed. How would that be? God can do it. God can do it. Yes, he can. Everybody clap your hands and let's give up some praise to Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Remain standing. Great to have all of our guests here today. Great to see all the Grace Church peeps. Glad you're here. And uh, so thankful for such a strong presence of the Lord that's here today. And everybody said amen. Those of you joining us on live stream, welcome. So glad you're with us today, Grace Church. Thank the Lord. Daniel chapter 3, verse 16, a very familiar reading. I'll probably not take this. For most of you, I'll not take this where you think. So don't assume anything. Just hang on for the ride. Amen. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, everybody say, but if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. I want to preach to you for a couple hours here this morning about the but-if-not mentality. The but-if-not mentality. Everybody say, thank the Lord for the Word. Look at your neighbor again and tell them we're going to faith it. Thank the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. The text that we have read today is perhaps one of the most familiar texts of the entire Bible. It'd be hard to find anybody that knows anything about the Bible to have not heard this story of Daniel's three good friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they refused to bow down to the image that Nebuchadnezzar had put up. What we need to understand about that image was Nebuchadnezzar was making a statement. We want you to abandon all of your beliefs, all of your convictions, all of your passions, all of your upbringing, all of your roots, all of your culture. Your way of worship, your way of life, we're asking you, I'm, I'm commanding you, he said, to give all of that up, and you're going to manifest your willingness to do that by bowing to my image, which he had set up before them. So there was something that had gotten into the mind of these young men's hearts, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that attributed to such action to idolatry. They weren't going to do that. They had been taught all of their life that, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and only Him should you serve. They were not giving to idolatry. This chapter comes on the heels of Daniel's warning to Nebuchadnezzar. He had been warned that Jehovah 
would judge and destroy his empire. But apparently he had forgotten that very quickly. So he built this statue, had it covered with gold, so that his subjects would bow down to it and worship it. And by doing that, they would essentially be worshiping him. The kingdom was well organized. I give Nebuchadnezzar credit. His kingdom was well organized, well structured, as we'll note in Daniel chapter 3. The Bible said, Then the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. This was a big deal. But you can see with all of these people that were mentioned, all of these different positions of authority, he had quite a kingdom going on. This wasn't some little backwoods, uneducated boy just messing around with his neighborhood buddies. This was the strongest kingdom or empire on the earth at that time. And Nebuchadnezzar had reached a point where he literally thought he was deity. So in an effort to add to his status of deity, he wanted to bring to it a decorum of worship. Did not people, was going beyond people respecting him and giving him allegiance and, and so on. He wanted to be worshipped. So Nebuchadnezzar added a great company of music. There are six different instruments noted in Daniel chapter 3, verse 5, but there were many beyond that because of the addition of all kinds of music. I don't want to go chase a rabbit right now, but it's interesting that he called for six specific instruments. The number six is the number of a man, and it has to do with the Babylonian Empire and the book of Revelation, even the mark of the beast. This is how far... Nebuchadnezzar was going with this. He wanted to be worshipped as God. He wanted to be the God of the earth. It's an antichrist spirit that was being made manifest in him. Now I want everybody to understand that when these three Hebrew boys said we're not bowing, they understood that this kingdom was not going to be compassionate to their plight. Does everybody understand that? Either you get your head cut off, or you're burned at the stake, or you're thrown into a fire furnace. There's no good end to this. Everybody understands that. This is a death sentence. This man wanted to be an antichrist of the Old Testament, if you will. He wanted to be Nimrod resurrected. He wanted worship. He wanted to be worshipped as God. And when they played music like we did here this morning and worshiped God. He wanted to be the one worshiped. I want everybody to understand that. So nearby, with all the music going on, with all the singing and dancing and the making merry that was going on, nearby there was a furnace that had been constructed. It was a giant barbecue pit, for lack of a better illustration. I don't believe it was like a bonfire and a big pile of wood and they set it on fire. I believe you had the thing built, literally built, and put the most intense material in it that he could find that would burn incredibly hot That so whoever refused to worship him got thrown into that. Here's the thing about deity. 
When you have to force people to worship you, then you're not really God. The byproduct of deity is that you automatically worship. There's something about the presence of deity that pulls worship out of people. That's biblical. So when you have to force him, I'm glad God didn't say here this morning that uh, if you don't worship me, I'm going to roast you outside. He don't do that. It's a free will choice. But the byproduct of being deity is that people will worship. So nearby was the fiery furnace. So no matter what, no matter what, God always has people. God always has had people that will refuse to bow down to the worldly, secular demands for worship. There are going to be people. Now, you may treat your doctor as your God, and whatever he says is going to be your plight for the rest of your life. You may believe your counselor, your therapist, your attorney, your employer. These people become deity to us because they become our idols. And without music playing, other than the elevator music, they call it in the doctor's office, that's the only music playing, we bow down to that. That is the Nebuchadnezzar's image in our life. We bow down to our jobs. We bow down to what the doctor says. We bow down to what the attorney says. Everybody on board. That wasn't a huge affirmation. Everybody being on board, you don't want to admit it. But God has people that will not bow down to that. I like to think that your pastor's one of them. I'm not bowing to that. You can play all the music you want and sing all the sad songs you want and come up with all sad stories you want. Sister Melanie, she don't know it, but she's preaching next Sunday. (laughs) Buddy, she ministered to some people here today. And I will ask you the same question she did that Jesus asked Simon Peter. Who do you say that I am? And when your doctor and attorney and all these people overrule the Word of God, you've got your faith mixed up. This dog will hunt, and he's going to find what he's looking for before this is over with today. But there are people. There are people. There are a minority of people usually that will stand up and say, we're not bowing to that. I've seen people stand up even against their own family, and they'll say, I'm not doing that anymore. I've seen people stand up to their friends. I've heard it here at Grace Church in the past year or so. I'm not going to drink with you anymore. I'm not going to smoke with you anymore. I'm not going to party with you anymore. I'm not bowing down to that stuff anymore. I'm getting rid of the image of Nebuchadnezzar in my life. I'm changing. So they're not going to fold under pressure. So when death was staring these three boys in the face, they would not bow. Their peers said they were stubborn and foolish for not conforming. And everyone is watching, and you won't escape the fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you're not going to get out of this. There's no political cards to be played here. And you are trading off your high office, your royal favor, and even your life for the sake of your God? Really? My answer is yes. So it just did not compute with some. It doesn't, this 
whole ideology that these boys manifest, it don't make sense to people. People say it's just easier to go with the flow and don't fight it and just, you know, do whatever you have to do. Uh, I think there's a line that, that, that our media, that our culture is drawing in the sand for Christian people. There's a line being drawn in the sand. It's already started. Sooner or later, some of us are going to have to make a decision. Are you going to stand up for this? Or are you going to bow down and cower down to the pressure? And that's what I'm preaching to today. So it didn't compute with everybody. There's only three of them, only three that said, I'm not bowing. But here's what we have to understand. There are some who see the real value of their convictions and refuse to trade off the shallow things, the temporal things of this life, for the greater value of one to come. A.W. Tozer, the, the uh, very prolific writer years ago, uh, he, he, he set uh, what he thought was some marks of a spiritual man. And the three young men in our text today fit the bill of what he was writing about. He wrote, listen very carefully, a spiritual man has a prevailing desire to be holy rather than to be happy. I thought I'd get an amen on that, but maybe you're listening. A spiritual man has a desire to see the honor of God advanced in his life if it means that he may have to suffer temporary dishonor and temporary loss. A spiritual man wants to carry his cross. A spiritual man sees things from God's viewpoint. A spiritual man would rather die than live wrong. A spiritual man would rather die right, excuse me, than to live wrong. A spiritual man desires to see others advance at his expense. A spiritual man habitually makes eternity-based judgments and, uh, instead of time-life-based judgments. Immediately when these spiritual men refused to bow, some of the king's tattlers ran to him and told him sneeringly that there were certain Jews, certain Jews, who refused to bow down and worship. And it was used in a tone of voice that you would expect a racial slur to be used in. Nebuchadnezzar went out of his mind with fury and ordered that these offenders be brought in immediately. And this thing about worship is serious business. This thing about worship... Melanie, again, you hit the nail on the head. Jesus said, who do you say I am? Because you will worship the God that you believe is God. And I'm going to say it again. I'm going to ride this horse for a while. It could be your doctor. It could be your attorney, your therapist. Oh, listen to what they said. Listen to what they said. You know what? I'm anxious to receive a text that says something like this, and I don't do it because I'm saying it. And I don't want to say it because that's what some of you will do. Instead of telling me in four or five paragraphs of what the doctor said at your last visit, why don't you tell me what God spoke to you out there in the A-Center while you were praying about that doctor's visit? See, we speak his name, as the praise team saying, over everything when it's convenient and we're not challenged that much by it. Pray first. Pray first. I'm going to have a hard time getting through all of this. I'm going to do my best. All right. The thing about worship is serious business. What or who do you worship? The devil doesn't like it one bit when we refuse to worship the objects of his kingdom to worship those of God. The devil doesn't like it when you worship God. 
He wants to put things in your life that you'll worship instead. And it is a Nebuchadnezzar's image. It's the same thing. It's the same principle. It's an antichrist spirit that says, don't go to God with that. And if God promised you something pertaining to that, don't believe it. But these three men refused to bow. Hell made a mistake that day. Hell made a mistake that day. As powerful, as powerful as the Antichrist spirit is, there were three Hebrew boys. They weren't necessarily ordained ministers. They were just three laymen in the church. I don't know where the priests were. I don't know where the high priest was. I don't know where the, the Ten Commandments were, the law of Moses. I don't know where the Ark of Covenant was. I don't know where none of that was, and neither did they. And they didn't have access to it. They were being held captive in Babylon. They had no access to their pastor, to their church, to the music minister. They had no access to anyone. All they remembered is what their mama pounded into their head when they were a kid that said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. That's all they had to fall back on was their memory of the Word of God. But it was enough. And they didn't care what Nebuchadnezzar said or his governors and princes and counselors and musicians and everybody else. They didn't care. God always has a minority. He always has that person that's going to bow up and square his shoulders and say, not today, not on my watch. When it comes to worship, Brother Ben, there's only one. There's only one thing in my life that I worship, and his name is Jesus. I don't worship my job. I don't worship my car. I don't worship my house. I don't worship my career. I don't worship money. I don't worship those things. His name is Jesus, and he's the object and focus of my worship. I hope somebody's hearing me today. So, hell made a mistake that day. And I believe if one would have stood and said, I'm not going to bow, the result would have been the same. But it is rather encouraging when you're not the only one. So hell made a mistake that day when he let these three fellows get together. The Bible says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, said Jesus, there am I in the midst of them. Can I tell you something? The devil don't care how much we preach. He just don't want us to get together. He don't care how much we sing. He just don't want us getting together. That's why he throws stuff in our life all the time, especially on the weekend. And any little thing will knock us out of church. We allow anything to knock us out of church. I want to salute Brother Brian Tier here this morning. I hope he don't mind. But he had surgery Wednesday, Thursday. And he's here this morning. Don't go slap him on the side of the head. Please don't do that. But he's here this morning. I appreciate that. It makes a statement. It makes a huge statement. The devil don't care how anointed we are. Just don't let the people get together and unify. The devil doesn't care how much doctrine we have. Just don't get together and unify. The devil don't care how much we pray. Just don't get together and unify. The devil don't care how much structure we have. Just don't let them people get together and don't let them get unified. The devil doesn't care how much how many we have here. Just don't let them unify. Because on that day, three men who got together ended up ruling the day. They ruined Nebuchadnezzar's big moment. Three men brought down a whole entire empire.
three. Not big name faith preachers. These were just three people who said, we're not bowing. We're not giving in to that. All right, you get the point. I've got a long ways to go and I'm trying to hurry. You need to know that when two or three get together, there will always be someone else that shows up. It is good preaching. You need to know. Brother Wheeler shared with me the other night, Brother Billy, that y'all showed up here at the same time to pray. Uh, I've been riding by and seeing people out here in the A Center praying, thank God, hallelujah, glory to God. Hallelujah, amen. PTL, PTL, what else can I say? Praise God, what a, amen. I don't know what else to say. I'm pumped about that. But you get two or three people together, you can be guaranteed of one thing. Somebody else is showing up. And his name is Jesus. He's going to be there. He's going to be there. Let me tell you something. Grace Church wouldn't be where it is right now unless Jesus showed up. This thing started with about 11 people 24 years ago. But every time we showed up and our little tiny country church in Baker, people said, God was there. I realize we didn't have a thousand, but we had the same God that the thousand did. That's what we don't understand. We think God gets bigger with a crowd. God don't need a crowd. He needs two or three people to get together and agree and agree that we're going to have a move of God today. My, I feel the Holy Ghost here today. Hallelujah. Sit down. So there's some of you who are dying on the inside and can't really feel what we have going on right now in this house. And they can't get together. You need to know that right now you're bowing down to another image. You really want to worship, but you're being suffocated by a grudge against you that you have against somebody else. And you really want to shout to the Lord, but your voice is silent because you won't have a change of heart. And you really like to, would like to pat your foot or wave your hand or something, but you can't because you can't get together with your fellow man. So the devil tells you to just sit there and act dead because in reality, you are. Because you've chosen to bow to another image, to another God. But hell made a mistake that day by letting by letting the three Hebrew boys get together. And he made a mistake today by letting you come into a church full of people who believe in God. There are some folks here today, Melanie. Who do you say that I am? Ask them that question. They'll line you out. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, which is, which was, and is to come, the Almighty. They'll tell you right now that He's the one that resurrected from the dead on the third day. They'll tell you right now He's the one that healed my body. He's the one that gave me a set of twins. He's the one that healed me of cancer. He's the one that healed me and set me free and delivered me. Ask them who God is. They will tell you. It's not my job. It's not my attorney. It's not my doctor. It's God because he's my provider. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Oh, my. 
Anybody feel what I'm feeling here today? Everybody clap your hands and shout, yes! Sit down. What is somebody going to think if they see me not bowing down? What if someone sees me worshiping like that? You need to know that true apostolic worship isn't going to run off anyone that God intends to keep. The mayor of Central has been here before. I didn't ask you to calm down. I didn't ask you the Sunday before. The mayor's going to be here next Sunday. Can y'all just chill out a little bit? We don't want to. We you know we don't make him feel uncomfortable. I say, pour it on, buddy. You want to heat up a furnace? You want to heat up a furnace? We're not going to heat one up to throw somebody in to kill him. We want to heat up a furnace of apostolic fire and power and demonstration of the Spirit. That's what I want to do. Let's chunk the mayor into that furnace and see him filled up with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and buried in the name of Jesus. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody help me right now. God's doing the work. Oh, my. We've had our school superintendent here before. We've had councilmen here before. We've had state representatives here before. Our good friend, Garrett Graves, a wonderful man. I have to tell you, I kind of regretted when he was running for office that he came by that Sunday morning. Him and his wife, because I was loaded that day. I had some stuff I wanted to say. And Brother Wheeler, I said it. And when I was working the altars that Sunday morning, I'll never forget it. His wife grabbed me going down that aisle right over there about where Dallas is sitting. She yanked me inside between them chairs. And with tears brimmed up in her eyes, she said, I would to God that every preacher in every church in in Baton Rouge Central and everywhere else would preach like you did today and preach what you preach today. I'm here to tell you. I'm here to tell you. And their friend of our church, he called me and said, did y'all do okay during the flood and all that kind of stuff. They're a friend of our church. I'm here to tell you. We don't back down. Whose report will you believe? I choose to believe the report of the Lord. All right, y'all on board. I'm trying to hurry. I've had some folks just in the past, well, since the flood last year. I don't want to call their name. They know who they are, and you probably do. But we're on live stream, and I understand that. But I've never been so impacted. And I'm going to be real careful here. God knows my heart. I'm not being critical. I'm not being judgmental. I'm burdened, heavily burdened. But someone contacted someone else at Grace Church and said essentially, and I'm going to paraphrase and and condense it huge, this was about a week of talking back and forth on the phone and texting and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and whatever else you can think of. It was a long conversation. I say it in all due respect. But bottom line, the person said, with strong apostolic background, the church I currently attend, I don't believe I can be filled up again with the Spirit of God in it. Can I be filled up with the Spirit of God at your church? Now, there are some folks that are bowing down to some stuff. I heard a message, and I'm actually thinking about it. I want to contact the evangelist and see if we can have him come to Grace Church. I told someone this story this morning. He was at Brother Darrell John's church in Atlanta. 
And someone has sent us the, the message. I watched it on DVD. Watched the whole thing. This man's grandfather turned away from the truth, turned away. He was apostolic, turned away from all of it. His, his, this boy's dad followed suit, all in ministry, followed suit. And this young man, probably in his late 20s, I believe he said that on the, on the, in his message, he, he heard about camp meeting, in a, a, a Texas camp meeting, and he just called his dad and said, I'd like to go, and his dad said, go. He said, I walked in the door, and within five minutes, I realized that these people have something I don't have. Now, he said, we were tongue talkers, and we shouted and jumped and danced and all that kind of stuff, but there was something else in, this, in that environment, and he said, I didn't have it. And he said, with 10 minutes, he, within 10 minutes of just the worship service, he was out in the aisle, and he prayed through to a genuine experience in the Holy Ghost, and he realized, he realized that there is a depth and there is a coverage of truth that we have, and I don't say that boastfully. God knows my heart. And he came back to it, and he called his dad and said, you'll never believe what happened to me. And it stirred his dad up so bad. Him and his mom, his grandfather was deceased. But his mom and dad went to the same camp meeting the next night and fell on their face before God and had that, that God connect again. I want to tell you, folks, we cannot bow down because of one person that came to Grace Church last year. It has revolutionized the way I think and the way I'm looking. I preached several weeks ago about a sovereign move of God, and we're experiencing it right now. But somebody came back and said, I compromised it all. I walked away from truth. Uh, Heather Livingston here this morning said it at her grandmother's funeral uh, a week ago yesterday. Compromised all of it, walked away. But the other stuff ain't working. The easy, fluffy, cotton candy stuff where you can pretty much do what you want, live like you want, and all that kind of stuff, it ain't working. It has created a vacuum of hunger on the inside of some of these folks, and now they're wanting to come back. Now they're wanting to come back. There's always a few that don't bow, and Grace Church has been one of them. And we're not going to bow to that appeal to compromise everything we believe and all that kind of stuff because people are coming back to it. And this is what I'm preaching today. Who do you say that I am, God is asking. In the face of everyone else bowing, in the face of everyone else, I've been challenged here at Grace Church by a number of people. If you'd let all that go, Grace Church would grow exponentially. It's going to grow exponentially anyway, but we're not going to let all that go because people are hungry for it. So the king says, if you don't bow, you're going to burn. Somewhere in your life, Grace Church, you're going to have to learn what to worship, and how to worship it. And most likely, it'll take place in an arena or situation of confrontation. You're going to be tested. God is going to put in front of you an image, and beside that, He's going to put a burning, fiery furnace. And now you have a choice to make. What are you going to worship? You going to bow down to that because you're afraid of the furnace or are you going to worship me and God made this promise I'm not going to have time to finish I got eight minutes but God made this promise and the Hebrew boy said it King you can fire it up and you can heat it up as high as you want our God is able to deliver us from that burning fiery furnace but if not we're still not going to bow there's one more point that I, I want to make, and, and, and I'm done. I'm skipping way ahead in the notes if y'all want to care to find me. 
I was prepared to preach this in a few minutes. So I'm going to do it now. Have you ever thought about the story of Paul and Silas being thrown into prison? How many know that story? Raise your hand. This is a response question. Okay, everybody knows it. Did you ever think about the mistake the devil made when he put those two men in the same prison cell? Now, if the devil was as smart as he thinks he is, he would have somehow had Paul and or Silas partnered up with someone lukewarm. Or he'd have had them partnered up with someone that was legalistic or judgmental. He'd have had them partnered up with somebody who was backslidden. Go get that hypocrite over there. If you want these men to really be embarrassed and you want to embarrass God for what they're preaching, put somebody in the cell with them that's not all fired up. Be careful at the company you keep. If you're going to stand up for Jesus, make sure you have somebody beside you that's going to stand up with you. You confiding in lukewarm, backslidden, hypocritical people, that'll backfire on you. People with an unforgiving spirit, people that totes grudges, beware of those people. But the devil made a mistake that day, Melanie. When he had Paul and Silas thrown into jail, he thought if I throw them in jail, it'll be over with. It's just getting started. And I hope if we ever see the day, and I hope we don't, but if we're persecuted and I'm arrested for preaching the gospel and I have to go to jail, I hope Steve Elsenrath is arrested with me. Let's go to jail together. We'll tear that place apart, man. I hope Brother Wheeler's arrested with me. I hope Brother Merrill's arrested with me. I'm not going to say who I hope is not arrested with me. But there's a few folks here today that I might be a little iffy if you and I get arrested. Because if we're going to get out of that prison cell, it's going to be pretty much left up to me. Because you're going to criticize me for preaching what I'm preaching. And you're going to blame the church. And you're going to blame God. And you're going to blame this. And you're going to blame that. And you're going to call your attorney. And you want to call this person and that person. And call the banker and ask your wife to take you out a second mortgage on the house. And all that stuff to get out of jail. And put God completely out of it. But what we forget is God allows us sometimes. To be confronted with a bad church situation where the pastor flips out. God will allow us sometimes to even be offended by the pastor. Or a fellow brother. It will test your mettle, test your character. And bottom line, and I know this is probably a whole new concept and principle to some of us, but it's bottom line to test to see who you're worshiping. Do you have more faith in the legal system than you do God? Do you have more confidence in your attorney than you do God or your doctor than you do God? That's what we say by the way we live and by our response and by what we say and what we get on Facebook and say. Brother Phil, Yoder, excuse me, Elwood back there. It's all a big family, you understand. I messed up last Sunday on somebody's name. And Wednesday night, for that matter. I'm getting old, senile. He should have been in the ground a long time ago. 
But God had other plans. I say that in all due respect. He should have been dead a long time ago. In reality, I believe Chris Lewis's mother shouldn't be with us today. But God had other plans. I could go on and on. We need to develop a but-if-not mentality. I'm still not going to believe the doctor. My ultimate faith is in God. It's okay to go to the doctor and let him say whatever he wants to say. But I'm tired of our just wholesale believing everything the doctor says. Now we go two or three times a week, some folks do. And you just can't wait to get back to the doctor and see what kind of gloomy report he's going to have for you. Am I okay this morning? I think I'm still in the book. I preached to you last Sunday about the woman with the issue of blood. Twelve years. That's how long people go to school to graduate. That's how long it takes to become a doctor. Went to every doctor she had and spent every dime that she had. And finally, she heard about Jesus. And that was the answer. And I do have sense enough to believe today that God don't heal everybody. Salvation's a promise. Healing's not. But that still doesn't, that's not an excuse not to trust Him. It's not an excuse not to have faith in Him because you don't know if He is or not. And you'll never know if you don't put faith in Him. While they're playing, the singer's coming. Y'all come on out if y'all can hear me back there. Everybody bow your head for a moment. Close your eyes. Let's pray for a second. In the name of Jesus. God, today you want to demonstrate your glory and your power in the life of somebody. You want to speak to us right now. We have felt your presence. You have filled up this building in the past several weeks in unbelievable ways. And now it's time for a manifestation of your spirit. God, I believe today you want to heal somebody. I believe there's somebody here today who wants to be a recipient of that healing. And I pray today, God, that you too connect. I pray that that person, whoever that person is, will be open-hearted and open-minded. That we're going to believe the report of the Lord. You healed Brother Nixon just a couple of weeks ago. The doctors, it's documented he had a fractured bone in his leg. We prayed for him. He went back to the doctor. They x-rayed again. The fracture was gone. God, you want to do these things in our lives. But we, we, have, to, we have to establish in our mind, but who do we say that you are? And that's the question. We have more confidence in Nebuchadnezzar's image? Do we have more confidence in the worldly, secular things? Or do we have more confidence in you? And I'm asking you, God, today to manifest your presence. I'm asking you today to manifest your spirit. In Jesus' name, thank the Lord. Brother Don, Brother Don, I want to ask you to stand. Brother Wheeler, if you'd walk over. I want you to pray for him. He has a physical issues, and I want to see Brother Don healed today. I want everybody in the building, just stay seated. I want to see Brother Don healed today. Everybody else pray. Everybody, let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking you today right now in the name of Jesus. 
that the power and glory of God would be manifested in Brother Don's body right now in Jesus' name, that you would heal him, that you would heal him, that you would heal his mind, his emotions. Help him to receive a miracle right now in Jesus' name. Help him to receive a miracle right now in Jesus' name. Help him to receive a miracle right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Everybody clap your hands right now. Let's clap your hands. In the name of Jesus, let's worship the Lord some more. Clap your hands one more time to the Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. Everybody stand with me this morning. While the Holy Ghost is moving. While the Holy Ghost is moving. Is there anyone else? Anybody else? You need something from God. Can you answer the question? Who do you say that I am? If God asked you this morning, who do you say that I am? What would be your answer? We need a buddy if not mentality. Whether God heals me or not, He is still the supreme source of my faith and confidence and trust in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Anybody else here today? Come on. You say He's God? You say He's God? We're going to speak the name of Jesus in everything we do. Let's put that to practice. Let's put it to practice right now. Anybody else? Anybody else here today needs a touch from God? Uh, here, I feel the Holy Ghost. Oh, God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Pray for Brother Phil. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask everybody to come gather around. Everybody come. Everybody come. We're going to pray. We're going to pray here today. And somebody's going to walk out of here with a different perspective. You're going to see God in a different way. I'm here to tell you today that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we're able to ask or think in the name of Jesus. Who is He to you? Who is He to you? Who is He to you? Come on, Grace Church. Come on, Grace Church. This is a God moment for somebody. This is a God moment for somebody. Somebody let the Holy Ghost use you right now. Somebody let the Holy Ghost use you right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. Somebody let him have his way. Somebody let him have his way. Somebody let him have his way. Somebody turn loose what you found.